0: in my truck again, episode uh, 13. A lot of the stuff that I said last week, I never finished really talking about the camp. Um, perhaps, like, there's some... The reason I wanted to tell the story was partly because of its uh, embrace of uh, progressive, progressive um, ideologies, even in the in the 60s. Um, I looked up the, uh, website for those camps now. I think there's six camps there now. And I think there might have been four in 68, but, uh, they, uh, incorporate a lot of progressive ideas in their system now. They always did, and that's what they were selling, um and if you don't know anything about quakers that doesn't mean anything to you maybe but the quaker movement was one of the early christian movements on uh, in north america that really sought uh, to understand who who god truly was so um, just things i didn't say about that i mean every story i'm i'm just throwing it out there so um, I'm trying to get the points across that influence me um, when I was traveling up and down the coast of uh, California with Hoagie. Um, I was—I uh, turned 12 there. Um, my mom sent us—I I, I mentioned it before, but it was either a hundred dollars a month or a hundred dollars every other week or something like that. And the money went to uh, Hoagie; took care of it. Like I didn't get it. <laughs> He took it because he was the adult, (laughs) quote-unquote. This is sort of comical in some ways, but um, that money typically went for concert tickets. We could get food and and drugs other ways, uh, you know, get money by selling. That was Hoagie's thing. He sold drugs. And he was connected with people in California, so... But uh, we just, we went to a lot of concerts as we traveled around, went and saw uh, Frank Zappa. He put out an album with a different group of musicians than the Mothers of Invention. He put it out with a group and he called it Hot Rats and... It included uh, Captain Beefheart, which, if, if if you're familiar with that sort of alternative music of that era, Zappa in particular, very intelligent, very intelligent, but super super progressive as well. And his his views of music and uh, philosophy of life and politics and like he had some interesting ideas ahead of his time in some ways. So we saw we went to that concert and the warm up for that concert was, uh, Johnny Winter, which, uh, he's, it's amazing to watch, like, uh, super, super guitar player, uh, blues rock, and at that particular concert, he had his brother Edgar playing drums, and, uh, so we got to see Edgar Winter before he was, uh, famous on his own right, uh, he did play a song, um, uh, on the keyboards in fact i honestly don't remember what the song was but it i mean it could have been that hit that he he had monster i think it was called um uh, it was uh anyway it was good it, i mean it was entertaining and uh you know Frank Zappa was good and anyway i can reflect back on a bunch of different steve miller band uh Country Joe and the Fish, other bands that were not so well known at the time, but they were up and coming for sure. But uh, this particular concert, and every concert, we took acid before we went, or I did. Sometimes Hoagie was taking other stuff, acid plus probably. Um, this this one concert, there was a, the band the Moody Blues. Like I just loved them. I, they were they were so ripe for or I was so ripe for their kind of music with with the whole taking LSD and finding messages in the songs and and uh you know I had this sense of being able to uh step outside of time and look at uh uh things in the future things in the past and pull them all together now I don't recall having those kinds of feelings or impressions about myself other than when I was <laughs> stoned on acid. Though, I think, you know, you do have flashbacks and things like that. But I, I often would have an acid trip where I f- could... It was like I was outside of time. Anyway, this was one of those times. So we got these tickets to go to see the Moody Blues... In Berkeley Uh, we were staying with some friends in Berkeley and uh, they had a big house and there was a bunch of people which was real common in my memory from that time people just lived in big houses together because nobody could afford one kind of like today (laughs) but uh, anyway um, so we we uh, were getting ready we're gonna go we're gonna catch the bus so we take our acid and we uh head out and uh uh Hoagie at that time was all he was he was a pretty hedonistic guy anyway he had the opportunity to shoot some heroin so he did I never shot anything in my life Uh, so if there's something to be proud of I guess it's that I never I never took the needle um but Hoagie took some heroin he also took some acid and he was just blitzed and we were walking to the bus And I guess we got to the bus station, or we were standing at a stop sign or a crosswalk or something, and there was this raggedy old ass hippie there. And uh, Hoagie's like, Hey, man, we're going to go see the Moody Blues, and uh, it's going to be far out, man, you know, that kind of thing. And the the hippie was like, Oh, I wish I could go. And Hoagie went, Hey, man, I have an extra ticket. And then he pulled out a ticket and he gave it to the dude. It was my ticket. Because he wasn't giving him his own ticket. He only had two tickets, my ticket and his ticket. So he gave my ticket to this guy. And I'm like, hey, that was my ticket. And Hogie's like, oh, man, sorry, man. And I said, well, what am I going to do? You know, I'm. Uh, what am I supposed to do now? And so there was a bit of a argument and tussle. I mean, he was 20-something and I was... 12. so it's not like I carried a lot of weight um, so anyway there was this other lady that, or girl that was going with us and she said well I'll, I won't go um, here's my ticket somebody you know find somebody for, for that one too and she came back to the house with me so the two of us are stoned on acid and we go back to the house and we pulled out all of the all of the uh, Moody Blues um uh, albums that we had and uh, we just played them over and over again and during that time when we were both stoned on acid it was like we were both there we both felt like we had this vision of being in the stadium and watching the concert like we were there um, uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we listened to the songs that they were singing and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we weren't but anyway we that whole experience uh, happened a number of times where it's like I felt like I was removed from reality in this timeline and put into another timeline. And uh, it may have started with that that one uh, Grateful Dead concert, but I had seen the Grateful Dead a lot of times before that. And I think it was already well... I was well on my way to feeling like I transverse time or I you know, something. Like in in my early Christian life, I believed it might have been a prophetic gift. Now, we say stuff like that, and people that don't understand Christianity and the different types or different views of Christianity, they won't get that. So, in fact, in general, uh, I would say that people in our culture, and this is part of the reason why I'm saying saying these things, is they don't know the biblical story. They don't know the Christian story. They don't know why Christ came and died on a cross. Uh, they may have heard that said before that Jesus died for your sins or something like that, but they don't know what that's about. I mean, and we have basically in our culture now, we have these there's more than two views but there are these basically these two predominant views in that the one would be the the view of uh, secularism which is uh, of man uh, and the view that our culture runs mostly on secularist views now not on on uh, spiritual views not on the view of christianity so that misnomer that we're a Christian nation, which I've mentioned before too, is it's we're not. uh, In fact, were we ever? No, I don't think so. Part of what I want to do is get the story known, like help people understand. If you don't know the story, I want to share the story. I want to include that story with my story because they are intermingled. That's how how I grew, how I lived uh, my whole life, even when I wasn't paying attention to it it was paying attention to me um and i think that's true for in in reality it's true for everybody i mean if you if you ignore god if you take a secular view of you know it's all by accident uh, there is no god there is no creator um it for it it Helps you form all of your other opinions of of what's true and what reality is, and yet if you have a viewpoint of there is a creator God and He created everything and He is holy, because because of who He is, His He has this standard, it, and it's not it it's not like something He can cast off. It's who He is, right? It, it's it, He is intrinsically holy, um, and and then defining what that word means uh you know um ho- holy one of the th- one way that i would describe holy like i remember i was involved in something that was uh i mean it wasn't horrible it was questionable you know behavior and this, this was as an adult as a christian adult and uh, as as this event unfolded which i don't want to go into now maybe someday maybe in a book whatever i I came away feeling dirty. I came away from the whole thing feeling like I had been part of a a dirty occurrence. And I, I walked away from it thinking, you know, feeling like... I don't know if you've ever worn a white shirt. I mean, every, most of us worn white shirts or white clothes, you know, but... And you get a spot on it, you know, just like whatever, a little drop of coffee. You're drinking a coffee and there's a little, just a little drop. It's, and so in that spot, it's tan colored instead of white or, or you're eating spaghetti sauce and just a little bit of spaghetti sauce, like not even a drip, just a spot, like a splash, but it's red. It comes out red on your white shirt. That's how I felt. I felt like I had moved away from living a righteous and a holy life. Which is something I want—not for judgment's sake, but for to have that closer relationship with God, who I, how I view God, and that it caused a, a sense of repentance. I mean, these words—you may not know what they mean—but I wanted to turn away from that incident and I wanted to I wanna I wanted to apologize to everybody but it doesn't change the fact that the incident happened there is nothing that can change the fact that the incident happened and I I, I wrote letters to the people that were involved and I basically I use that example of how I feel like I was wearing I wear a white shirt and my white shirt has a stain on it and I'm I'm sorry I'm sorry that I was part of this. And I, I'm sorry that you were part of it because of me, um, whatever. And, um, I, th- those are the things to be, you know, for me to try and be instant in and, and, uh, it worked for me. It, it, I felt better, but I still have this relationship with God, you know, and this is like, let talk about justice for the last two, two things. And I leave out mercy, like where, you know, we talk about mercy, as though it's, you know, it's, it's a good thing. But the problem with mercy is if you are merciful to somebody who's guilty and that person who is guilty has offended somebody else and you grant them mercy, then you have um, shown a lack of compassion for the person who was, was offended or wronged. By the person who you just gave mercy to. So, so that's why I said before, somebody always pays, somebody always suffers from an injustice, and they're minor to major to whatever. I mean, there's murder and there's all kinds of things you could talk about. But and this is one of the things we don't we we don't like if you know any of of the Bible like the Old Testament is a lot of stories and uh, and lessons that come from stories and words from God to prophets and poetry, a lot of poetry and uh, history, tons of history. Like, um, so basically the stories are hist- historic stories. Though some of them are poetic or, you know, interpret them a number of different ways. So... There's one story of David. Uh, you've heard of David and Goliath, probably. Even people that don't know much about the Bible have heard of, a lot of them have heard about David and Goliath. Where David, this young man, he's—I think they believe he was about 16 at the time. He slays a giant uh, with uh, with a sling and, and a rock, and it sinks the rock into the middle of the guy's forehead, and then he cuts his cuts the giant's head off with his own sword it's you know it's 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 sort of the introduction to who David is this man who trusted God above everything but David was also a man and uh, uh, the Bible often would say that David was a man after God's own heart. He he wrote a, a many of the Psalms and songs. He was a an artist, like a, a songwriter and a, a musician. And if you read this, like it's his life is really interesting, and it takes up a large portion of the Old Testament, comparatively speaking. Um, but there's a there's a point after David becomes king. He becomes king of Israel. Not then. It was probably some 40 years later before he became king. Um, but he becomes king. And he, as he's established himself as king, he's got a number of kids that are in line to take his place on the throne when he dies. And uh, he's got wives and concubines, which God warned the kings of israel against such thing and he was david was the second king they didn't make it past one king without going against god's laws and rules for the kings it was just that's just it just shows what humanity is like and that's basically the old testament what it does is showing humanity and god the who god really is and and, and so anyway so david lusts after this woman um Bathsheba you may have heard of this story it's been made into movies David and Bathsheba he he lusts after her she's married and um, he sends David sends the her husband who's a soldier out to battle and um, tells the uh, general the commander of his armies to push this guy forward with a group of archers or whoever it was and then at the last minute, pull everybody back so that so that he gets killed. So he murdered him basically because he ended up getting Bathsheba. David got Bathsheba pregnant. So it was a, it was he murdered this guy to hide his own his own his sin. But that's just more sin. So he he had an adulterous relationship, got a married woman pregnant, and uh, anyway then. Nathan, the prophet, who ministered or taught worked closely with David, a prophet of God, he came and told David a story of a rich man travelling into uh into uh another man's country and and he meets another the king of that country and and the king who's got tons and tons of sheep and cattle, he takes the poor farmer next door he takes his sh- little sheep his little lamb and slaughters it and serves it up as a meal for the for the uh the traveling wealthy man and and uh when when nathan tells the guy tells king david this story david's he's furious he said that man should pay 10 times what he took um this this how this is a sin to god as in uh this, uh, Nathan, after he tells a story and sees David's reaction, he goes, you're the man, David. And David immediately recognizes that he was involved in this atrocious, like this was, he's the king of the land. He's supposed to be a godly man. He's handpicked by God to be the king. And he recognizes his sin in that, and he he he's, you know, he's unrepentant. I mean, he's repentant. He's sorry, but what can he do? You know, he's... And Nathan says, don't worry. Um, God has taken your sin. Now, in in reality, there was no mechanism for God to take his sin. I mean, God is God. But God's a holy God. So how can... How can this holy God justify letting the king off? But there's still Bathsheba has lost her husband. There's still the murder uh, of, the, of her husband. And uh, the, the thing is, is there's a number of stories in the Old Testament where God says, don't worry, you, I'm taking your sin. I'm, you're not going to suffer f- for your sin. Um, the fact of the matter is is from the beginning back in Genesis God had a way out and that was Jesus on the cross and that's that's the point of Christianity there's all of these sins these there's sins from the past they, I mean it talks about it in if you want to look again Romans 3 I think it's 25 so right in there Romans chapter 3 uh, 25, 24 somewhere in there Where he says Christ came and died for for past sins, for our sins of the past. And that's not just ours, it's our forefathers' sins. For the sins that were committed and, and no recompense. That's mercy now. But in order for mercy to be just, somebody must pay. And so that's Jesus came, the perfect man, the man who never sinned. And like I said before, people don't have a problem with Jesus usually. They have a problem with the church and with Christians. And with... So I'm trying to help you to understand. You know, how does it come out of my story? Well, there's the looking down the future, but there's also this ability to forgive. Uh, you have to understand. We all have a tendency to want peace with our... Yeah, we all... We have a tendency to want peace with our fellow man. Um, It took me a long time to get over what Hoagie did. Um, A long time. Like, it was one of those things. I was a kid. He was an adult. But like I said before, these people related to me like I was one of them. They didn't treat me typically like a 12-year-old. Except, you know, in a case like that, who's going to win out? Well, not the (laughs) 12-year-old. He got the ticket. I didn't. And when we got to Canada, and Hoagie came up to Canada with us, he, uh, there was two communes formed. Um, you know, I guess I'm going to have to tell it later. Um, I will tell this story. Uh, like, it's the continuing story of Hoagie um, and my relationship with him. Anyway... Here we go, another one. Another one in the books. I got a song. It's a new song. Um, I've been writing songs thinking of specific people. And um, I started doing that probably 15 years ago. Um, So a lot of the songs just have a person's name. And they relate to more than one person. So this song, hopefully I can get it to where I'm not embarrassed to release it. Nobody's ever heard it before. Uh, It's called Hannah. Hopefully I can get it out and not be too embarrassed about the quality of it Um, it has promise just the production quality anyway see you next time number 14 I guess
1: Trying to make it understandable It's everything I say It's everything I feel It's everything I know to be real Can you hear me when I sing it? Can you hear me when I say it? No, 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 no No, no, no You want no part of these games I'm playing Yeah, that's a lot to let go of You've got a lot of things to do you got all those possessions can't be falling down you're looking for there's no time to know you're still young a need Let God know you wanna be free, oh Oh, don't you understand He wants you to take His hand And I am just one voice And if you don't hear me you am making a choice Yes, I'm good Nothing, it cost him everything. You make your choice, make your choice, you make your choice, you make your choice and live or die. Cheers. <laughs>